Welcome, everybody. We are live. Jason Sardi here with the Fin Maniacs crew, Hussam Patel, Sean Williams, Chip Turner. Before I bring each and every one of them in, I want to thank you guys and gals for checking us out on Fin Maniacs. We have a lot of fun stuff heading your way. And of course, uh, these guys here are going to provide a little bit of the info on what they're covering. So without further ado, let's start with Hussam Patel. Welcome on in, sir. How you doing? Hey, Jason. Hey, Sean. Hey, Chip. Glad to be here, guys, on... Uh... On a fun Saturday, it's great to be with Sean Chip and Jason. The Finn Maniacs crew is absolutely amazing. What have you been working on, bud? Well, I've been working a lot on the scouting series since the draft is uh, 39 days away. So I'm super, super excited for the draft. Um, I know here at Finn Maniacs, we've been working the free agency signings and stuff. I've been working on the draft stuff as well and uh, besides that i've been watching a couple of the crazy march madness games i mean it's march guys it's the best time really in sports without football games mixing in march madness and of course all this offseason fun so chip turner how are you sir up in northeastern pennsylvania right or northwestern Doing pennsylvania, well. where? northeastern yeah straight north of you up in the pocono top of the pocono mountains about the coldest place in pennsylvania um, it's, it's nice. It's having a good day. Sun's shining. Snow's melting. I'm sitting here watching it die and laughing at it. And it's a good time. You have a, a awesome way of putting dolphins, pop culture, and just kind of overall fun into your work. So if you want to kind of express anything that you had been working on the last week or so, or what you got cooking or what your overall thoughts are in the last couple of days in dolphin land. Well, things are going, going so fast and furious with free agency. It's difficult to really uh, you know, put a pin in anything and say, this is what I'm going to write about right now. I'm working with Hassam on some scouting stuff. I'm working on some uh, safety evaluations. I'll have that out shortly. Beautiful. And now we're going to go to Sean Williams, who is in New York, but not city New York. You're in Rochester, I believe, right? Rochester it is. Beautiful 50-degree day. Nice break for us up here. It's like barbecue weather. Everyone must be loving it. But what have you been up to? And uh, you like Chip. Uh, you love to put your own spin on things. And uh, you really do a great job of kind of uh, entertaining the reader with your thoughts. So uh, you had a fun piece out the other day. Yeah. So I was, you know, getting ready to speculate on free agency and how this offseason is going to go. And in typical Brian Flores and Chris Greer fashion, I was way off basis on, on those predictions. Um, now that it looks like we should be just about done with our free agent pickups, uh, getting ready for the draft and, and finishing up uh, the year three offseason. It's uh, it, it's nice that you say the year three offseason because this is a rebuild. It's a process. And I think that this is the, the third year that they take that quantum leap. And I know that we're saying quantum leap from 10 wins. Might not necessarily mean 14 wins, but I think in terms of overall uh, talent on both sides of the ball, this is the offseason where they're going to continue to build offensively. So with that said, let us first start with Will Fuller. And he was officially welcomed by the Miami Dolphins. I think he was the exact wide receiver in terms of what he does on the field not just catching, not just, you know, scoring touchdowns, what he uh, creates for his teammates. So in a technicality standpoint or really a scouting standpoint, Hussam, what does Will Fuller bring to the Miami Dolphins passing attack? 
Well, definitely he could possibly be the number one target for quarterback to a tongue of Iloa, and he's by far the biggest splash the Miami Dolphins have made so far. He brings speed and he brings big play ability for an offense which has solely lacked it since the last two seasons. I mean, he could be in the slot, he can be the X, he can be the Y, and he can pair up with Devontae Parker and Preston Williams and provide a nice duo or trio with that different type of skill set. I mean, last year it was hard watching Tua Tungavailoa throw these balls and the wide receivers cannot separate or even catch the ball itself. So I believe Will Fuller is going to be a playmaker and hopefully um, he does well, stays healthy for the full 16 games and leads us to the playoff and hopefully a Super Bowl berth and a win. That would be fantastic. And uh, keeping with what he, uh, you know, really does on the field for teammates and, you know, what he does to defense is Chip, what are your best, uh, you know, scouting little tidbits on Fuller? Well, I think the other thing that he does, uh, Hassan mentioned pretty much every uh, position he can play on offense at wide receiver, but he also has the ability to do something uh, for Tua that he hasn't had. He's uh, He can definitely play the Z, the, uh, Z receiver spot really well and he can stretch the field give people room to work underneath and he's not he just his presence on the field is going to keep defenses more honest they're not going to be able to line up with everybody within seven yards of the line of scrimmage they just can't do it anymore because will fuller might not catch the most passes but he definitely catch the most impactful passes that's a good phrase because what I want to bring Sean in is, you know, you're looking at receivers other than Fuller. You're looking at Devontae Parker. You're looking at Preston Williams, even a Lynn Bowden. And you have to throw in Mike Isecki in here because he's going to be receiving the ball. He's a tight end, of course. But I am going to go with the narrative that three different people might be leaders for the Dolphins. And, you know, you have a touchdown leader. You got your reception leader. You got your yardage leader. And I think that that's what's kind of setting the stage here, Sean. Uh, am I off base or what are your thought processes of who's getting the ball and when here? I like that. Um, and I can definitely see it playing out that way. Um, I think with Gesicki being such a, a red zone weapon, um, I could see him leading the team in touchdowns. Um, and with, with the big rack and yak ability of Will Fuller, um, he could, he could get close to that a thousand yard milestone. And then Parker is definitely your possession receiver. So he could definitely take the, the cake on, on, uh, catches for the season. That's really what I'm thinking. And Hussam, let's, let's piggyback on that. Um, I think you laid it out perfect. You know, you got your kind of go-to guy when you, you, you just need the reception. And that could be first down, second down, third down, what have you. And then I, I like the long playability of a Fuller, of a Williams. And I that's who I'm looking at for the touchdowns other than Gasecki. Are one of those three going to be a touchdown leader for this team? Who's I know it's a lot of, a lot of players, but who, who's going to score the most touchdowns? You know, I think with the current offensive system we might be running, especially through the RPO and through running the ball, hopefully, you know, the line picks up. We're able to score and distribute the ball as needed. Now, I don't think Brian Flores and what he envisions for this offense is just going to be a guy who is solely going to be the touchdown leader or a reception leader. It's just going to be the guy who's open. Whoever can make the catch, whoever can make the touchdown will be the guy. So I don't think we should put labels on a on these receivers as, you know, all three of them can be touchdown leaders. All three of them can be reception leaders. All three of them can be yak leaders, hopefully, as well. So, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to how they will do in the 
on the offense this offseason, how they will implement it. And by the preseason, we should have a knowledge of, you know, who's going to be what, but when needed to, when called upon, can they do what they're supposed to do? It's uh, it's actually extremely important for them to, you know, continue the development of the young guys in Williams and in Bowden. And then, of course, to milk every last ounce of what they can with Devontae Parker. And to me, Chip, you know, everyone's watching basketball. This is almost is like a, a basketball team uh, of receivers with two as the point guard. You know, you got a lot of height. You got good speed, and I, I don't. You don't need a twenty-five point a game scorer if we're doing kind of equating here. You need kind of the ability to say who's going to beat you tonight. You know, three, four, five guys who could really kind of put points on the board. So, how do you see to wrap up those uh, targets and statistical kind of situations? What's your thoughts on the whole thing? Well, I think that's that you you've hit the nail right on the head there. You can't. You can't just go into a game specifically uh, with the coaching. You now have the you have Bill Belichick and you have the coach of the year, and and of course um, you have a brand new head coach for the Jets, um, Robert Sala, who's also a very good defensive coach. You can't go into a game and just have one weapon that the opponent can say we're taking away this weapon and we're going to shut the team down, shut their offense down. Um, I think a lot of Miami's success in distribution, um, like you said, with two of playing the point guard position, if you're going to use the March Madness analogy, uh, depends on him being able to distribute evenly to the players who are open. And the biggest factor is health. If all of the receivers can stay healthy, which has been a question in the past, I think you're going to see a lot more even distribution of the football. That's really going to be encouraging to see. And I don't care if we're looking at, oh, this person has 40, this other guy has 50, and, and it just, you know, no one's getting 75 or 80 catches, and I don't want people to look at a stat sheet and freak out. So I think it's a good problem to have knowing that you might not know who the alpha is. And I really don't want people to kind of look for the alpha because they don't need an alpha. I'll take four or five, you know, betas, frankly, if they can put points on the board. So on the other side of the ball – I think the Dolphins made a very savvy move in a trade by bringing in uh, Bernard McKinney. I think he's going to help other linebackers excel. And with that said, Sean, I'll start with you. Uh, what does the McKinney signing tell you about this defense? Um, hopefully that that's, that's the last piece to solidifying an elite defense. Um, McKinney should bring in a ton of veteran leadership. Uh, he plays with a high motor. Uh, he plays fast. He plays tough. Uh, he's going to be the quarterback of that defense. Um, I really, really love the move. Uh, Shaq Lawson was a decent signing for us, but uh, flipping him for, for someone that can sit uh, in the middle of that, that second level and, and make the plays and communicate and uh, stuff, stuff the running backs at the line, um, I think it was a really, really smart decision by Greer. I'm going to bring Hussam in from a scouting mm -hmm point here, but not on McKinney, on does this check off a box draft-wise, potentially in day one, day two, of a linebacker, in your opinion? Um, you know, I think it does. You know, we, I was talking about, along with Brandon, who, uh, who's my co-host with the scouting combine, we were talking about how this defense needed a middle linebacker to truly become, as Sean said, and elite defense, you know, either it was going to be through the draft or somehow through free agency, and we did it through free agency itself. Now, with Shaq Lawson being gone, it opens up 
um, an edge position, we, which we could be looking to draft um, in April, come April, May time. I think with the addition of McKinney, this allows Jerome Baker, Vince Beagle, and your guy, Andrew Van Ginkle, to absolutely destroy linemen and get after the quarterback, along with Zach Sealer and Christian Wilkins. And the big man, Raekwon Davis, who was a surprise to us all, I think McKinney allows the linebackers, such as Baker and Van Ginkle, to get after the quarterback. He's also a run stuffer, as Sean said, and you know that leaves a position. Maybe a Landon Roberts come back comes back. Maybe he doesn't. We'll see what happens later on uh, through this period. And he's also able to cover, which is crucial, crucial for this Brian Flores and Josh Boyer led defense. And uh, just last night, there was a lot of fun on uh, you know on Twitter on Dolphin Twitter. We did this live you know, kind of a forum. Uh, shout out to Antoine Staley, uh, who really put it together and did a phenomenal job. I, I forget who mentioned it. If, if I remember, I would love to cite the person, but mentioned in, I, I think it was, you know, I, I, I don't want to make a false call, but it was someone other than myself and said that the strength up the middle in the additions of what the Dolphins need on the defense, and they checked off the box, I think, D-line where you have Raekwon Davis and you have Christian Wilkins in the first unit of the defense up the middle. And then now you get that McKinney situation in the middle of the linebacking core. And I think the last piece is that strong safety or that next kind of ball hawking safety that the Dolphins need. But they're solidifying the middle. And McKinney, yes, Hussam, you're absolutely correct. Let's Beagle, Baker, and, you know, all of our guys. You know, everyone loves Van Ginkle. Find me a person who doesn't love Van Ginkle on this planet. But uh, who is going to be the sack leader, Chip? If you had to put your chip on the table, who is going to lead Miami Dolphins in sacks? Or is he I not on the team yet? That's where I was going with it. I don't yes. think he's on the team yet. Um, I think the moves, and you hit you hit the nail on the head again, as you often do, uh, with the McKinney um, acquisition, He is he's going to do something that is going to allow – um, an edge rusher to have a field that he's going to solidify the, the middle of that run defense. That's what he does. I mean, he does other things very well, but he stops the run. He is a hammer on defense. You're not going to run up the middle as easily on the Miami Dolphins anymore. Another signing, and I, I'm sure you're going to get to this momentarily, is I really like the Adam Butler signing. Nice. The, the acquisition of the defensive tackle there, because he does something. Raekwon McMillan was a fantastic um, addition to this team. Um, I'm sorry, Raquan Davis. I apologize. Was okay. a fantastic addition to this team. Um, he is a he's a anchor in the middle at the DT position. But what he doesn't doesn't do is he does not get in after the quarterback. You're going to see Adam Butler on third downs, second and long um, uh, situations where he's going to get penetrated and he's going to get pressure on the quarterback as well. He's going to get some sacks. You're going to see um, Baker get some sacks again. And I think the edge position is yet to be addressed. It's going to be done either through the draft or maybe even another move in free agency still. I know they don't have much room, but we'll see what they can accomplish. I like that we were on the same wavelength there. Uh, if we are looking, Sean, at uh, an individual who's not on the team, uh, whether they're still not a pro being undrafted, whether it's someone out there in free agency, the name, I don't, I don't want to say this name that I'm endorsing the name, but do you see a Jadavian Clowney or do you see someone out in the market right now coming on in or where's the money, if, if I'm asking frankly? I don't see us bringing in one of those guys, uh, Melvin Ingram, a Jadavian Clowney. It's just not 
Flores' MO. Um, he he went out and tried to get Clowney once. Clowney didn't want to come. Um, he's been incredibly unproductive in his past two seasons. I think, uh, you know, Brian Flores really looks at his defensive system as a system that creates sacks and creates pressures on its own. Um, so he's a big believer in, in the role players on the defense. Um, so we may go and pick up a, a rusher in, in maybe the first or second or third round of the draft. Um, but, but we definitely have a system that creates its own pressure. Um, I'd love to have a guy who can win one-on-one, -on -one, and I hope at some point we do go out and get that guy. But uh, with the exotic blitzes, um, I think, I think uh, Flores can be confident with the Vince Beagle. Uh, Van Ginkle should have a huge uh, year after, after what he did last year. And uh, some of these depth signings that you've seen Miami uh, go with like a Bartlett or a Riley. You know, uh, the linebacking core is now, uh, we could use the word top heavy and formidable. They need depth because they obviously lost, you know, Camu. They lost potentially, I know you mentioned him, Hussam, but I, I, I'd be relatively happily surprised if I could say that about a Landon Roberts potentially returning. I think we might have to make our peace you know, with him ending the season on an injury that he might not be coming back with that speculation. But uh, I do think, considering that Van Ginkle, one last thing on him, he played half the snaps. I mean, this guy was efficient in what he did on the field. So that's what I think we're looking for with all the Dolphins, especially the young ones. What they're doing on the field in an efficiency, so they're quality snaps, not quantity of snaps. And I think that's what Flores is going to do. You mentioned it, Sean. Generation of... Uh, uh, the generation and production of sacks might not be the product of the person, but the product of the system. So a lot of people are going to eat. A lot of people are going to get involved. And I think maybe four or five people are going to get five plus sacks next season. So something to keep your eye on. Butler, love the signing. Chip, you made the point about him, you know, actually, you know, getting to the passer, much like maybe an Indomitian Sue or Randy Starks from back in the day at the position. So moving on to the offensive line, um, you know, Nice little signing in Skura. Uh, I, I don't think it was a home run, but I thought it was a nice up-the-middle double. What do you think, Chip? I I think the that's a that's a good def, good definition for it. Up the field, up the middle double. It's not a home run signing. It is a very valuable signing, I believe, because when he was on, there was conversation about him being a potential ten million dollar a year signing. Not not more than two years ago, he was a decent. Um, Decent uh, run blocker, and he was a good pass blocker. And I know he had some issues with snaps. And you can go back and look at it, look at the two games. And I know it's a big joke to a lot of people that he had, you know, had some issues with snaps, and the Dolphins have gotten robbed on this, and they've lost their mind. But the man had some issues with a snap, uh, with a cut on his finger, and in a wet weather game. Does that explain it all? Probably not. But I think it's a decent signing. What are your thoughts on the signing? And uh, you could also piggyback, Sean, on, on the offensive line structure as a whole. Um, I think this was uh, one of two of their more underrated signings. Um, kind of with what Chip was going with, he he really is a, a, a valuable and solid blocker in the run and pass game. Um, I can't quote the PFF numbers, but I know they were both very high um, in both of those categories. Um, I'm not really going to put a lot of stock into a torrential downpour uh, uh, with some bad snaps. Um, it happens. It happens to the best of us. Um, 
I think he, by the end of next season, we could be looking back and saying he was one of the better signings we had last year, um, along with the growth of, of the guys on the left and the right of him. Um, I really like it. And he is a, seems to be an intelligent guy. Um, he did go to college at Duke, um, watched his press conference yesterday, well-spoken guy, um, should be a good communicator with Tua. He had mentioned his his relationship with Lamar Jackson and how important that was for him in Baltimore. Hopefully you'll see the same thing between him and Tua as well. I like the analysis there. And Hussam, I think this is good timing to ask you again. If we're checking off boxes, and I know you're an offensive line guy. You know I'm an offensive line guy. I think in the top four picks, I think the Dolphins are destined to maybe hopefully find their next center of the future. But did Scora check that box off this year? Scora checks off the box in needing a center. Certainly as a depth signing, he could potentially start within the first few weeks of the season. Barring any injury, I think he will be and remain the starter. But this does not rule out a, a drafting a center within one of the first four picks or towards the back end of the draft. You got a solid, solid potential pro bowler in Creed Humphrey. Creed Humphrey is a lefty. And Tua Tungavailoa is a lefty as well. So that works to a big, big advantage. Uh, Quinn Miners is a guy I absolutely adore. He's he's a beast. And if you haven't check, checked it out, his, he's called the belly of the beast. So it, it's awesome to see. But other than that, you also have Josh Myers coming from Ohio State. Uh, with Skura, you know, he's a, he's going to be the starting center for now. Now, this isn't something like, let's say, Corey Lindsley or maybe even David Andrews. But he is a value depth signing. You know, he was the Raven center for the last four seasons. As Sean mentioned, he has worked with Lamar Jackson for now. Um, I wouldn't put so much emphasis on the bad snap. Apparently, what happened was his he had a couple cuts on his fingers and the ball was also loose. So that could have played a factor into uh into the bad snaps. But uh, I remember reading an article which Cam Wolf put out. Uh, he said that in the past block win rate, he is ranked number four in ESPN's chart. And we know how the pass blocking went for the Miami Dolphins with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tungavailoa as well. It wasn't great, but it wasn't that bad either. Maybe he can add a little bit uh, more consistency for the young guys on the left and the right. And he's great in run blocking as well. He was the guy, the leader, the communicator for the Ravens' rushing attack as well. So that improves the running game for the Miami Dolphins. Now, I don't think Squirrel will be the long-term answer. I think we will be drafting a center come April, May time. I'm very happy to hear that. And I know you know your stuff with the draft. And uh, just to close the offensive line segment, uh, we'd be remiss to not very briefly talk about the news that today, uh, the releasing of Isaiah Wilson, Look, it was a miss. Uh, you hope that the kid learns his lesson. I will allow each of you gentlemen to kind of give your take on it. Sean, you can kick us off. Yeah, uh, not too much to add to Isaiah Wilson as we didn't even have more than a few days to try and get to know him. Um, to me, the biggest thought I had uh, with, with the Instagram videos he put out is this is a good example of the company you keep. Um, and if the people 
you know, you see in those videos are okay doing the things that he was doing in those videos instead of him going to mandatory workouts or, or you know, being on time uh, for your physical or onboarding. Um, it's a good example of maybe you should have people around you that are going to support you and, and want to push you towards success. Uh, well said. Hussam, you got to follow that, bud. I mean, look, Isaiah Wilson is a young guy, and I'm a young guy as well. But this dude is physically gifted. He was drafted in the first round, the 29th pick of the NFL draft. If I ever did something like that, my mom would have skinned me, okay? This isn't something which you should be doing. You're a professional athlete. You should attend your meetings. This is a this is this is work. This is your job. And I bring upon this analogy and um, Dolphins Twitter put this along with a couple of Dolphins group chats. Take just discount the NFL side of this. If you go into work, right, your regular nine to five job, whatever, you're partying the night before doing stuff and you just don't show up, don't make any calls saying, hey, I might not be able to make it because this and this or you're just late to a meeting by a couple of hours and you just don't say anything. That shows you that you're not committed to what you're doing. Like some guys, and Jim Nagy put this out, the director of the senior bowl, some guys don't actually like to play football. They're just there for the money and dip. So I'm just going to leave it at that. And I hope Isaiah Wilson figures stuff out. Chip, what do you got on the topic? Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. I mean, I, I'm the I'm the I'm the senior uh, member of the of the crew here, uh, at least on this this uh, this cast here. Um, someone told me a very valuable lesson when I was young. A probably I might have been around the same age. I don't exactly remember the age, but he said it is very important. I'm going to tell you one thing: half of success is showing up when you say you're going to show up, and doing what you say you're going to do. That's not just football; that's life. Uh, I wish him the best. He is clearly a very talented individual. Um, but he, like Hassan said, if you want to play football, play football. If you don't want to play football, don't play football. It's that simple. And I mean, it's, there's nothing wrong with not wanting to play football. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. That's about it. And that, that, that's all we can say. And if the yeah. Dolphins yeah. decide to uh, address the offensive line position for the, you know, I guess uh, the – Third time in the first round or second, first two rounds, they could potentially do that. So there's a couple of names on the board there. But moving on, a couple of more signings, and then we'll uh, we'll let everyone get back to basketball on their Saturday. But Malcolm Brown was the running back that they decided to bring in the Dolphins. I know a couple of names are out there, but uh, I like the signing. I don't love. You know, it's it, it, it's like someone said earlier, it was just a, a, a nice move. It was just a nice overall free agency move. It wasn't a huge splash. Chip, why don't you start us off with Malcolm Brown? This is actually my favorite under the table signing. Under the table. Under the radar <laughs> signing. Under the table, not under the yeah, table. Yeah, not under the table. I'm sorry. I'm getting my don't speculate. Up. Um, my favorite under the radar signing was there this. I really like this signing. Malcolm Brown should hopefully give the Miami Dolphins what they thought they got last year um, with a hammer. They need a guy who can go up into the line of scrimmage and get that tough one to two yards. They thought they had it in Jordan Howard last year. They didn't have it in Jordan Howard last year. Jordan Howard made us remind remember Kalen Balaj fondly because he had almost a two-yard per carry average. 
Malcolm Brown should still be that. He should still have plenty of tread left on the tires. He should be able to get you that tough two or three yards up the middle of the the, uh, line of scrimmage. He's the guy I wanted. That's good to hear. It's encouraging. And I think that, you know, encouraging, not uh, extraordinarily exciting, but a guy who can get the job done. And so what are are your thoughts on Brown? Uh, Anything different from Chip's assessment? I – it's not my favorite under-the-radar signing, but I do really, really like the signing. I like the player and the person. Um, I like how he plays football and how he attacks football. Um, at the end of the day, um, that's cool if he's a hammer. That's cool if Miles Gaston was a surprise last year. For me, it's not G no matter what. There's the no matter what. I'm glad that we said the no matter what. Um, I'm not pers- – particularly a no-matter-what guy other than Quinn Miners. But we're going to go to Hussam, stick with the running backs, did this check off a box. There's a theme here, Hussam. Um, But are we going to see a running back in the first, let's say, two or three selections for the Miami Dolphins? Remember, they got four picks in the top 50. Free agency is about filling needs and filling holes for the team. The draft is about value signings. Malcolm Brown fills a need at running back. Now, Will he turn around this running game? No, he will not. Now, he hasn't been the guy for L.A. He hasn't even topped over, I believe, 450 rushing yards in his six-year career. So he's not the answer at this position. But he is a value signing, and he brings added depth to this running back crowd. Miles Gaskin was out with COVID. DeAndre Washington was hurt. Patrick Laird was not the guy. In the Dolphins running back room. Salvan Ahmed was a free agency signing midseason and sometimes he was hurt as well. Uh, Malcolm Brown will be that third running back with Miles Gasking and Salvan Ahmed in the running back room and he'll be that power back guy. Just as Chip said, Jordan Howard was supposed to be that guy, but that did not work out. Checks off the box, yes, but the Dolphins will be drafting a running back. Uh, I admittingly, I go a little bit flip-floppy from first-round running back now. Since the guy like an Aaron Jones or, you know, one of those main backs was not brought in, I think it brings back to the table, especially with the Dolphins' assortment of picks, that they could really go running back really anywhere from trading up in the teens or 18, moving back slightly. So it'll be fun to see. Now, in wrapping up sense, you know, we, we didn't touch on every signing. Wanted to kind of keep this in that hour's show. But uh, if there was a free agent not mentioned yet, so with Chip, was there anyone that you could say that stood out in your mind? Uh, no, I, I what the one I really wanted to discuss was Adam Butler. I think he makes this defense immeasurably better. Um I know Robert Foster uh, went off uh, specifically against Miami last year, so at least we're not going to have to face him twice. That'll be nice. Well, Foster, I believe, last year, a couple of years ago, he went off against Miami, didn't he? Yeah. Or, yep. Uh, a couple but years. He, you're yeah. right. He is a speedster. At least he's from Alabama. So at least he's got yeah. some uh, familiarity with two of there. Yeah. But, Sean, what do we got on the uh, – who, who didn't we touch on that you might want to get a couple of words in on? So, in my opinion, the best free agent signing we we had, besides Will Fuller, um, is Justin Coleman. Uh, widely respected as one of the best slot corners in the NFL. We got him on a cheap deal. Um, it doesn't say great things about uh, last year's first-round pick, uh, Noah Igbenogany. But 
apart from quarterback, I think cornerback is one of the most important positions on the field in today's game. Um, and we just kind of had a the rich got richer uh, uh, pe- uh, signing with him. Um, we arguably have the two best or the, the best starting duo of corners in the NFL. And we just got one of the best, most respected slot corners in the NFL. Um, I know we're all Nick Needham, Needham fans, but um, Needham had a couple hiccups last year. Uh, Igbenogany had some hiccups last year. Even Byron Jones had some hiccups last year. Um, this pick was huge for me, especially uh, you need five or six good corners to get through a season. Love this pick. I agree. And look, I know a lot of people might have think with me specifically, oh my God, are you worried about Needham? You know what? I'm not because I like the competition. I think that this is a kid in Needham who needs competition. I I think he thrives off that. And I think that Coleman is the perfect guy. I mean, look, Needham held off a first round pick in Noah Igbenogany mixed with Igbenogany's development. He's very, very young and mixed with Needham's ability. So you factor in both the competition, competitive aspects for Coleman, for Needham, for Igbenogany, and a Brian Flores and, uh, you know, Gerald Alexander coached defense in a Boyer system, which Coleman's familiar with from New England. Uh, it, it actually becomes kind of brilliant that they signed him, and it, it's really a great move, Sean, so I'm glad you mentioned him. And uh, Hussam, is there one other person that we did not mention that, I mean, the Dolphins signed about 13 people, brought in about 13 <laughs> people, it seems, and everybody was saying, what are they doing uh, Tuesday afternoon? So who else didn't we speak about? So it's not one player I'm going to be focusing on is actually two, and they're part of a position group which is crucial to the game of football. The two special teamers we brought in, Michael Pollardy, the punter in place of Matt Hawk, and fullback tight end, Seathan Carter. Okay, now... We're, I'll, we're I'll, talking Seathan Carter on this show, yes! We're talking Seathan <laughs> Carter on the, on the show. Now, they signed him to a three-year deal, and Chandler Cox was supposed to be that guy, Seathan Carter, to catch out of the backfield, to run the ball, and play special teams. Special teams is a priority for the Miami Dolphins. Flipping the field is huge in winning games. Now, in some losses, Mad Hawk was not consistent with his punting. Uh, I believe Pallardy will be the guy. You know, he was good enough in Carolina, and unfortunately last season he had an injury, and he looks to be on the track to get better. Uh, if healthy, you know, he's going to be a significant upgrade to Matt Hawk, and it's also a value signing. You know, they saved money, and they did not have to pay I guess you could say the big bucks at the punter position for Matt Hawk. So he's he's a great pickup, great value signing. With Seaton with Carter, excuse me, um, there's literally no risk involved with him. He can do it all. He can be the gunner. He can be the fullback, the lead block in the run game. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. You put him on a four verts. He can do a, li- a little cross play, a little a little post run or maybe even a slant five yards slant, just to pick up that yardage. Um, it's might not be impact plays that they make, but they will be impact players that can help in deciding if the games are won. Yeah. You know, throw Carter in one of the special team coverage positions, Gunner potentially fun thing about Carter, the first ever catch he had in the NFL went for a touchdown when he was a Bengal 
couple of years ago. So that, uh, you know, you got to love that about a CC. A lot of Dolphin CCs. You got Chandler Cox, as you mentioned. You got Charles Clay. You got Chris Chambers, Channing Crowder. Something about a CC that you got to love. Dolphin legend Chris Carter. But anyway, guys, I say Chris Carter legend a little facetiously. But this was a lot of fun. Guys, let everyone else know what you got cooking, if anything, in the next couple of days in life or in Dolphin coverage, Chip. Uh, well, like I said, we're going to have um, some safety coverage. I'm working diligently to uh, go over the strengths and weaknesses of some of the potential signings for the Dolphins, possibly even late round. Um, like they say, you can never have enough cornerbacks. I think that applies to safeties as well. Works for me. Sean, what do you got? Cooking? He's on mute. Piggybacking on what Chip said, for any for any listeners um, or the rare chance that Chris Greer is listening, um, in regards to safety, go get Trayvon Merrig. He is my favorite player in this draft. That kid is a stud. Go get go get us an All Pro free safety. Strength um, up the middle. Uh, apart from that, um, just kind of uh, analyzing what we've done so far and. Uh, I'll probably get a piece out here soon on how I think we can uh, we can finish it off and uh, hopefully put a playoff team on the field this year. Loved your article on kind of putting mm -hmm. those finishing pieces mm -hmm. out a couple of days ago. So check that out. And uh, Hussam, I know that you don't sleep. What are you working on today? Draft, draft, draft. Draft coverage is king right here at Finmanex. And I am so excited to be working with Chip, Sean, and the rest of the gang getting out articles <laughs> on the daily and making sure the Dolphins fans are informed and maybe even other fans who could take a look at some of these prospects and say, hmm, maybe he can be a fit in our offense or our defense. Or look, he may be a valuable signing. Maybe if the Dolphins draft him, maybe he can be a free agent, come to our team. But it's going to be exciting learning about these players, especially towards the back end of the draft, who are going to be valuable picks. The draft is not one in the first and second rounds. It's one on day three, the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and undrafted free agent signing. So that is going to be fun to look for. And also when they're drafted as the season goes along, I get to look back and see how my scouting report relates to what they did with their first season and see what their strengths and weaknesses are and if they have developed more and where their ceilings could be in the future. So it's, it's going to be some fun stuff, Dolphins fans. Well said on the day three, you got Jason Sanders, seventh rounder, Miles Gaskin, seventh rounder, Andrew Van Ginkle, fifth rounder. So Chip, Sean, Hussam, check everybody out on Twitter and on Finmaniacs. These gentlemen do a fantastic job. Thanks for everyone to joining uh, our show on a Saturday. Enjoy your weekend. Jason Sarney here. We'll see you soon. Take care. Fins up. Take care. Fins up. Thank you. Fins up. Yeah.